0: episode 499. This is the end of an era. This is a big one. So we are one week away from episode 500 here in eight years of Awakening Ralph podcast, a huge relaunch, rebrand, big and new things coming. I'm really excited. It's always important to evolve, freshen up. And this is, you know, this is really aligns with my mission going forwards. And it just, I'm excited. So There's going to be big things. Be ready for next week. Please do subscribe, share this, get on board. Authors, coaches, speakers, particularly you guys, you want to be tuned into next week. Subscribe, review. Please do share if you've ever listened to any of the episodes. Reach out, connect. There's going to be some new stuff on socials as well. And this is just taking it all to the next level. I've got some huge guests coming in for the relaunch. Episode 500 next week, it will all become clear. Well, 99% of it will become clear, so please do get fully involved or sit back and listen, but again, it's with your support that we can take this whole thing to the next level. Life is all about growth, so on that note, this week's guest, mental health, how to get through a tough day, week, month, or even year, with Dr. Laurie Myron Manbeck. Enjoy, and thank you, as always, for your ears and your support, your appreciation, I know there's lots of things you could be listening into, So you're listening to this message. I appreciate you. Let's go. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast, tracking down the finest alpha minds on the planet for you. I'm Adam Lewis Walker, host of Awaken Your Alpha, now a best-selling book, Awaken Your Alpha, Tales and Tactics to Thrive. And it is my mission to share you the real stories, the useful stuff, the juicy stuff, and the reality of what it takes. Get to the podcast. Okay, this week we're going to be talking about how to get through a tough day, maybe a tough year might be more relevant. So we're going to be talking about mental health. We've got Dr. Laurie Myron Manbeck on the line. She specializes in clinical psychology in Minneapolis. She's got over 20 years of experience in the field of medicine. She's also an entrepreneur as well, which I'm sure we're going to touch on. So lots we can dive into. Laurie, are you ready to awaken your alpha today?
1: I most certainly am ready to awaken my alpha. Thank you.
0: Awesome. That was a brief introduction I did. Um, Is there anything you'd like to add or highlight? What are you all about at the moment?
1: You know, I'm about a lot of things at the moment, and this is a perfect time to talk about mental health and what we can do to make our mental health better. Um, I'm also an entrepreneur and working on a bunch of different projects on saving the earth and ecology. So those are sort of my passions right now.
0: Okay. I mentioned you're in Minneapolis. Uh, Where are you originally from? Is that where you are today?
1: So I'm originally from Iowa, although we moved a lot when I was a child. My um, parents are both pastors, and for them, particularly for my father who got his degree first, going to churches that needed help building up was really an important part of our childhood. And so we moved a lot to help build spaces up, and then when they were doing well, we moved and helped build up another place. So I'm from a little bit of all over, but mostly Iowa.
0: What was that like growing up? Did you, I can imagine that could be frustrating in some ways and other ways you're like quite excited is that you're on the move, but as a kid, is it just frustrating or?
1: (laughs) You know, I think it probably depends a lot on the kid. I was really shy. And so, um, I, my, my older brother was somewhat bullying. And so that took a hit on my self-esteem when Mm -hmm. I was around 13. So when we moved, when I was a little older, it was hard because I was, again, I was shy and it's hard to move. from scratch. Well, and we always moved to small towns and in small towns, you know, like all the other kids had bathed together as five years. So they had literally known each other from the time they were in the hospital being born. And so it's a weird thing to move into a community like that when you're 13 years old and already feeling awkward and,
0: you know, like you don't fit in anywhere. Yeah. When did you decide you was going to get into psychology? Was that always the way? Was that obvious? Or was, you know, talk, talk to us a little bit about how you got to this point
1: yeah I think I was raised very much to believe that it's our responsibility to take care of each other and that what we should be focusing on is finding ways to make the world and the people around us better and to make um, people more comfortable and so I think psych- psychology was always sort of in the back of my mind. obviously, when I was little i didn't know about it, so I thought I'd be a teacher or a nurse. Um, as soon as I started you know broadening and learning more as an adolescent, psychology seemed like it would be a good path. I'd love to talk to people. I think people are fascinating. I think um, I'd love hearing people's stories. And really, that's a lot of what psychology is about.
0: Definitely. Um, So what, when it comes to people who do, I suppose, do very well mentally, and and do obviously you help people who are maybe not doing so well. I mean, what are your thoughts around uh, tips to have a really good day or week month and year because I know as this will even when this go likely goes out people are going through challenging times on a global scale
1: well I think a really important thing is your framework on the world and how you look at the world and I I think it's a hard thing to talk about because some people tend to veer more towards negative thinking and some people tend to just automatically be more positive positive. But I think what's interesting about this moment is that I think it's a good time for people who tend to be more positive to recognize what it feels like to be more negative. Because even the people I know who are really forward thinking and always seeing the glass half full are struggling right now Mm -hmm. because it's hard to see that the glass has any water in it at all right now sometimes. And so I think one big message I would say to people is how you frame the situation you're in, how you look at it has a lot to do with, with mental health and how you're gonna feel. And so one big tip is the more you can notice positive things around you, even when things are going bad, the better off you'll be psychologically. So if at the end of every day, one really simple tip is at the end of every day, if you can force yourself to say five good things that happened during that day, it can help a lot as you're falling asleep, which can then help when you're waking up in the morning, as far as feeling more optimistic, I think the other thing I would say right now is that, especially during this time that's so complicated, people need to give themselves a break Mm. and feel okay about feeling not okay some of the times. Sometimes it is just overwhelming, and sometimes it's okay to sit on your couch and say, I just can't deal with this right now. The important part of that is knowing that that's a moment,
0: Mm.
1: that's a moment in time, and that you will be able to deal with it again, and it's okay to give yourself those breaks
0: yeah i was just uh, thinking of that and sometimes when i'm uh maybe struggling a little bit mentally as well and, and just i call it like losing your mojo a bit um it's almost like it's in the evenings as well sometimes i feel like um i'm tired so i know, know i should probably go to bed but there's also that little piece of me and i was like why is this because i, I want to go but i sometimes stay up and i wonder if you get this uh, you've had this from your clients and stuff stay up there's a piece of it because i'm kind of I don't want tomorrow to start. Like, I'm not looking forward to tomorrow, for example. So it's yes. just that stand up, and then you feel even grottier. And then it's like, uh, it's just, and it's just that's, it's, it's from the outside, you even saying that you can see it's crazy. And when you analyze it, but at the time, it's just like, you just want to put off tomorrow. There's that little piece of it. What are your I, thoughts on that? <laughs> How
1: I think it's wonderful that you brought that up because I absolutely get that. It's the end of the day and you're exhausted, but you're like, well, as soon as I go to bed, I'm going to wake up. And right this moment at 11 o'clock at night, I don't have to do anything. I don't need to save the world at 11 o'clock, but when I wake up in the morning, I'm going to feel some pressure to make something good happen. Um, And I think what I would say is that if you can figure out some good sleep routines and good ways to go to bed, so if you can figure out ways to tell yourself um, a positive story as you're going to sleep or to visualize, I don't know if you've ever used visualizing, but One of the things, visualizing, if you know about it, is basically putting yourself in a place that feels good. So, for example, um, if you like sitting by a lake, like I do, which is clearly why the background is, I actually have a background of a lake on this right now. Um, I might close my eyes and think about being at the beach. I might close my eyes and think about sitting by the water and, and imagine all the sounds and the smells and the, just the peace of it. And if I can bring myself there, I can go to sleep without all those worries pounding on me. And the truth is I'll wake up better in the morning because I've allowed myself that relaxing time and the sleep. And I think to remind yourself again that you don't have to tackle everything the next day. Mm. It's okay to tackle little bitty things and it's okay to have moments where you can't tackle anything but I think your feelings are pretty normal.
0: Yeah. No, I, I find as well, uh, a good morning routine can help even if it's cause you, if you've got something there that you're looking forward to. And that's when I brought in morning routines like years ago, I found that even if the day was quite a challenging one um, that, you know, you've got that, ah, I'm looking forward to that in the morning or, you know, that little bit of time for yourself as well, which again becomes tougher if you stay up late and just get a bit lazy on the, uh, you know, the discipline of going to bed at appropriate time.
1: Well, And I think what you can almost do is punish yourself then. So you stay up late, which sets you up bad for the morning. And then when you get up, you say, oh, I slept late. So I don't get to have that 20 minutes of coffee time while I read a book or that time where I meditate. And so I think that that's that's a horrible setup. And we do that all the time to ourselves, set up situations that make things worse. Yeah. Because because we're just not putting our, our own mental health first.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We're and not. you always feel, feel like you're chasing the day and, and, you know, chasing the day and yeah, everything's harder when you're tired as well. <laughs>
1: yeah. And if you can, like, you know, even on those days that you stay up late, if you can say, regardless of what's going on for 20 minutes, every morning, I'm doing X, whatever X is, whether it's taking a bath or giving yourself a luxurious shower or reading the reading, probably not the paper, <laughs> may not be the best way to start out your day right now, but oh, yeah. reading a book or what watching a comedy? I sometimes um, my husband and I offer, often have breakfast and watch just a, a comedy show in the morning, just a half hour of nothing to do with the world, mm-hmm. just something relaxing. And so I think if you can put those routines into your morning, it's going to help the rest of your day. Cool.
0: Um, what was a really challenging time in in your mental health over your years? I know you mentioned about moving around. and You were super shy when you are younger. It could be more into adult life at time. It was a, a real challenge. You had to Ultimately, awakening your own alpha.
1: Yeah, um, I would say when I got divorced, um, I was—I it was my choice, and I left, and and I left because I knew that I had to, because it was my marriage was just not—I um, was not my best self in mm-hmm. my marriage, and really didn't have the option to be that, and it felt very lonely there, not because my ex-husband is a terrible person, but just because it wasn't the right place for me to be fulfilled and to find myself. But everyone who's been through a divorce knows that even if it's your choice, it's horrible. It's really difficult. And so I absolutely remember sitting on the floor of my living room of my new house. And um, it was a day that my daughters weren't there because they were with their dad. And I remember crying and feeling like I was literally breaking into pieces. I felt like I was glass and that I was shattering into a million pieces that I could not collect. And I, what's important to, to me about that is that it was the first time in my adult life that I think I've had clinical depression. Mm. And it felt so heavy um, that I couldn't, I would get up to wash the six dishes that were in the sink and I couldn't do it. It felt overwhelming. Every single thing felt overwhelming. Now I will say that I was still able to go to work. I was still able to do the things I needed to do. And when my daughters were there, I pulled it together and did it. Not everybody can. So my clinical depression never got to the extreme where you really can't do anything. But I think what was good about it for me is that it made me even more compassionate to the people that I work with who are experiencing that level of depression. What pulled me out of it, which is such an interesting, just a picture of who we are and what we need in our lives. What pulled me out of it is I did something with a friend and the friend did something so funny that I literally laughed for 20 minutes. Now that was not a miracle cure. It, I, you know, I'm not saying that, and then my depression was gone, but I think it was the start for me. This joyfulness was a start of being able to move on. Um, And it's one of the things that's so powerful is that it is absolutely true that the more you can focus on positive things, the more you can notice someone being kind or you can notice when someone lets you in in traffic or any of those kinds of things, that all adds up. And I think a big danger right now is that we're all noticing the negatives because they're so loud. Negatives are are so noisy they're just overwhelmingly noisy and what happens with that is that we already know there's research that shows that i think it's something like you have to see three positives to counteract every single negative negatives stick with us more and i think that that's probably uh, probably frankly about evolution yeah if something's negative in your environment it might actually harm you um and so i think for an evolutionary you know survival strategy—you have to notice those negatives, yeah, right? you really got to pay
0: attention to that one, you that one tiger that's heading for you. <laughs>
1: yeah, you, you. You can notice the beautiful flowers, but if the tiger's on its way, that has to be your focus.
0: priority. Yeah, <laughs> uh,
1: and I think what happens in the modern world is that a lot of the negatives that we're bombarded with aren't that. You know, it's not a tiger. I, yeah. I've never actually had a tiger walk into my house, um, but my—but sometimes I react as if it has, even if that's not the case. And so, I think. One of the strategies that's so helpful is just to make sure that you are noticing those positives and saying them. So when you notice um, someone being kind to somebody, tell yourself that story because you want to counteract those negatives so that you're at least on a level playing field. Because the truth is, even in the midst of all of this, there are incredibly beautiful things happening around us all the time. People, you know, if you walk into a care facility and people often complain about nursing homes, and that's where I do my clinical work. um, But if you walk in and you just stand and watch, what you see is people putting their hand on somebody. What you see is people looking someone in the eye. You also see things that you're not so crazy about. But what you really can see if you're looking for it is people taking a moment and taking care of each other. And that, for me, is essential For good mental health is to make sure that you are also noticing those things and make sure you're saying them to other people and that if you have people in your life who are feeling very negative say those things out loud to them tell them when you notice it look at how kind that child is look at how they you know that that puppy is so sweet and and adorable look at that because those things save us
0: I was, I was wondering with the work and that, that, that group you sort of spend your time with, do you feel like, I mean, it's, it's not like the, the regrets or with their mental health, are there sort of regrets or are there common things that you think that maybe people who are slightly younger can like a bit of a warning or I'm sure it has an effect on you talking to all these people at that stage of their life um, and then maybe some similarities popping up.
1: Um, I think that the, the biggest thing that happens, um, and obviously this is a broad generalization, but one of the things I see most is that people, I think in our younger years, what we tend to like ourselves about or, or for and what we tend to praise ourselves for are our accomplishments. And so I think we really put a lot of our self-worth in being able to cook dinner for somebody or being able to mow the yard or being able to babysit for the grandkids, whatever that is, Um, being able to write a book, whatever you're doing, it's the accomplishment, it's that act. And I think that a lot of the training I do with my older residents is, or with my older clients, is around learning that your value is you your value is what you said to your kids. It's, it's not that you babysat so much as that you shared your life with your grandchildren. It's not that you cooked, it's that you put so much love into the cooking. Because I think if, you know, for any of us, it, frankly, most of us at some point in our lives are not going to be able to do all the things we're doing right now. We, we age, and we can no longer ride a bike, or we can no longer walk sometimes, or our hearing gets bad. And so I think relying on those things as our self-esteem can be really difficult as we get older. So what I do a lot is um, talk to my clients about how much I enjoy them, and how wonderful they are exactly as they are at this moment, and that they never had to bake me a cake for me to like them. And and most of what we give to other people is this, you know, most of most of it is this talking. Most of it is looking another human in the eye. It's caring enough to ask me the questions about my life. It's it's being with someone. It's all things that we can continue to do throughout our lifespan. Holding someone's hand, tricky in COVID, but holding someone's hand is tremendously important. And frankly, that's one of the things I'm seeing with my clients right now is that so many of them are not able to be in a room with their families. They're not able to hold their And that is very frightening and really difficult to deal with. So I think my biggest message as far as growing older is as you're growing older, think about your accomplishments and what you give to the world Try to think of it in a broader sense. Try to think of it as coming from inside of you. It's wonderful to do all the things externally too. So I'm not saying don't bake the cake. If you want to bring me a cake, that's awesome. I think those things are wonderful. My mom cooks for me all the time, but also notice that that's coming from someplace way more important than the cake.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's interesting interesting you're talking about these, uh, you know, external accomplishments and putting too much stock in them and uh i had a depression in, in sort of around 2010 and it was when i put far too much stock in. i was a pole vaulter and all this external stuff of trying to get to the uh, olympics wow. uh, but it did mean because i had a, an accident in the rain it did mean that rug was pulled from under me and i was not as mentally strong as i thought and i'd put way too much stock into the pole vault thing um, and is my identity but also just in self-worth so when that was gone it was very, very hard for me to, uh, you know, to deal in the, the years following that for a while. So, yeah, I get it. And I'm, I'm very, uh, I'm very aware of that. And it is, you know, if you're good at thinking, you're doing well, it's very easy to get sucked up in that and go down that route um, too much, like you yeah. say. <laughs> and
1: the other thing I want to say about that. Which is equally important is if you are caring for an older person or for someone who has had an accident and become injured or for someone who is, is very ill, remind yourself to tell them the reasons you like them mm. that aren't you used to. You, you don't say to them, I like you because you used to bake me dinner. Say, I like you because when you baked me dinner, there was so much love in it and I always knew I could count on you. And those are things that then will boost people's self-esteem because they'll see, I'm not just a burden. I, I'm not, um, you don't wish that I was there. You you don't, you don't want me to not be here because I'm not that person anymore. And that's hugely important. And I can't overstate how much that helps. I can't overstate how much just compassionate praise helps people. Yeah. Um, sometimes it is true, particularly with people who don't, have long-term depression, but someone who's depressed because of the situation, I go into the care facility and they're depressed because they're there and because it's not where they wanted to be and they can't do everything. Sometimes even just the act of sitting with me for an hour and having me remind them of, how, of who they are inside and having me remind them of how likable they are and how beautiful their laugh is and how their smile just lights up their face. Sometimes the staff will say to me, wow, that intervention that was an hour long really has shifted things so that we're able to move forward and the depression is much less pressing and so i think to remember that those comments those moments of praise that are just truly based on the joy the person brings into the world um, are tremendously important and they're so simple that's so simple
0: awesome And we're going to move into the alpha round now. And I'd like to start that off with, is there a particular quote that really kind of sums up your approach to life or one of your favorite quotes?
1: Um, Give me a second because I have a quote in my other room as well as the book because I don't want to forget the name of it. Okay. Do you want to go,
0: it? No, I'm back.
1: So the book is funny um, because it is a tiny little book. Okay. And it's called The World According to Mr. Rogers, Important Things to Remember by Fred Rogers. And I like it because... He is just so very kind, and his, you know, Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. Um, even looking back at his, as it now, at it now as an adult, it's such a kind place, and the messages are so on point about community and about caring for each other, and the calmness of it. It's just such a lovely message for kids and also for adults. And so I actually saw this, you know, and bought it because I think he's, um I think his quotes are worth reading every day. They yeah. just they're kind and and wonderful. So it's probably a very different book from what you usually hear. And it's not that this is the only kind of book I read. Yeah. I actually do read other books as well, but that's that's one that came to no, mind.
0: That's that's great. And and not being an American, I wasn't that aware about Mr. Rogers. And then until I think the first time I came aware of him was when I someone had shared um he did that sort of speech or appeal to the, I think as a US senator yeah. to yeah, get funding for I think the TV, children's TV. TB, TBS, yeah. TBS, yeah. And wow, what a, what a speech he did there. And that is, that is I love that. That, make, that makes me smile seeing that whole thing and then I obviously became aware of him.
1: Um, well, I like this quote a lot because it has to do with understanding that the, everything that happens in your life is yours. And sometimes it's terrible things. Sometimes it's depression, the loss of a loved one. It's not that those things are okay. And I would never say to anyone that, that, you know, suck it up. That's okay. I don't believe that. But every piece of that becomes part of who you are. And I think that grief and um, it's important. Grief is important. And I think that those difficult things inform us and create us. And so I don't want them to happen to anyone. And I always tell my clients, if I could have a magic wand and take away those bad things, I would do it in a heartbeat. However, once we've had to experience them and go through them, they become deeply embedded in us and they're just a part of us. They're a part of how we view the world and how we react. So this is a quote and the last, our, uh, author's name is Cheryl and I, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce her last name. It's S-T-R-A-Y-E-D, okay. so I'm just not sure. Strayed is sort of my guess, but I'm not entirely sure. And here's the quote, whatever happens to you belongs to you. Make it yours, feed it to yourself, even if it feels impossible to swallow. Let it nurture you because it will. So for me, that is just that story of accept it and it will, it will hurt sometimes a lot and seek help and get assistance through things as you need it, talk to people, reach out, but also just know that that is all a part of you.
0: Any particular habits or resources terms of mental health i know we mentioned stuff you know multiple things throughout the interview that you think are a good habit to you know have better days
1: yes um, i mean i think again setting time, time aside usually in the morning is great just something that's for you and just yours and calms you and relaxes you um, remembering to breathe and to slow down your breathing and one of the breathing techniques that I really recommend to people if you're just starting to amp up or you're starting to feel stressed is breathe slowly and make sure you breathe all the way into your belly because we were talking about tigers earlier Um, what happens when we start getting anxious is that our brain starts believing that there's a lion and there's almost never a lion. And when we breathe into our belly, it actually signals our brain that there's not a lion in the room. And what we tend to do when, as we get anxious is that keeps amping up. And so our brain starts reacting as if we need to flee or fight. You know, that that, that yeah. those are our options. When the truth is there's nothing that we can run away from and there's nothing that we need to fight at that moment. So breathe way down into your belly so that your belly actually extends because it sends a message to your brain that you're okay. Um, the other thing I would say is Always give yourself time to slow down. Again, if you are feeling like I'm just gonna explode, just stop, just stop, and slow everything down and it will help a lot of the time. It'll help almost all the time if you can get yourself to do that. If you're somebody who doesn't do that, if you're someone who, there are people that, there are definitely people who need motion, to process. They need motion to think. They're always in motion. My one daughter is actually like that. She moves all the time. And she was very, very lucky as a small child because her teachers throughout her education luckily understood that for her, standing beside her desk with her foot on the chair was the best way for her to learn. She didn't make any noise. She just needed to stand up. And so luckily she had teachers who got that. Um, But now she's developed lots of strategies to keep moving even if she isn't in a situation where she can get up and jump around. So for her, she does things like this just so that she can have that movement and helps her So for those of you
0: podcasts where you touch your your thumb all all the way down the fingers and back.
1: I'm so sorry. We're not. I
0: was was just thinking that. that."
1: So touching her fingers to the tips of, of her, or her thumb to the tips of her fingers, just to give herself something to do. Another thing I would say is, um, at the end of the day, really make a habit, and I mentioned this before, but it's so important that I wanna mention it again, make a habit of naming the good things that happen during your day and make yourself do it. And even if it's a terrible day, it can be, and I always tell people it can be the silliest thing. It can be the sun was out today. It can be it rained today because we really need the rain. It can be, I saw a really cute um, dog by the um, in the park. It really can be anything, but if you can name those things, um, Notice when people are kind to you, like pay close attention to that and say it to yourself. That was really nice that my partner brought me that piece of bread, whatever it is, but just make sure that you're saying it to yourself and try to reach out to people when you are feeling alone, really do make that step. And one thing I would recommend is don't try really hard not to have a list of who contacted you last and who you contacted last week point, we do that it's all petty, the
0: time. isn't it, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, we, we do that all the time. And with my clients, um, my older clients, often they'll say, well, my granddaughter never calls me, I always have to call her. And my response to them is, remember when you were that age, and how busy your life was. Yeah. When you call your granddaughter, what does she do? And the response is almost universally, she talks to me. Does she seem to enjoy talking to you? Yes. Then it's not that she's avoiding you. It really is just that she's busy. Yeah.
0: And people and- get into routines as well, don't they? I feel like sometimes it's almost like, oh, you call them. And it's just like the routine sometimes. Yeah. They're kind of expecting you to call them. So they sometimes don't reach out because right. that's just how that relationship has evolved is you call them. And that's just the way it is. And it, you know, it's easier said than done because there is a piece of you that thinks, oh, why am I always calling or, or the other <laughs> way? And it, but it's, yes, yeah, it's, I suppose it's, it's interesting because we're all probably in the situation as well where we're the one who doesn't call and someone calls us. And we don't, you know, we don't probably even are that aware of it. So it works, it works both ways.
1: Well, and I think that brings up such a good point that I think um, it's better for us if we can try not to keep a scorecard. Yeah. Now, I'm not talking about toxic relationships. Mm-hmm. I'm obviously not talking about relationships that hurt you. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is relationships that are really good and you know they're good. Yeah. Then don't keep a scorecard.
0: Yeah. I I mean, everyone does this, but I think guys especially are really bad at keeping in touch with each other, like old friends and stuff. And it's just, when you do meet up or contact again, it's like you just spoke yesterday. But, you know, if you're not aware of this, sometimes it could be actually years. (laughs)
1: Well, I, I think that's true. And I think...
0: I think sometimes are, it's quite weird for a guy to ring up just to you know sometimes just if they haven't done it before and they're not in the right. sort of they're not people aren't used to it just to say like not calling for a reason just to like hey what's up you know as opposed to having a reason to call mm-hmm. so, yeah. well
1: and i think i think that's a really good point and i would encourage um men to do that like i would encourage i think it's really good for your mental health to have people that you just call mm-hmm. um but i again don't keep don't have a scorecard because it's never helpful and whenever you can reach out to people, it's really good for you.
0: Definitely, Awesome. And what's the best way for people to connect with you if they want to continue the conversation and find out more?
1: Um, well, probably the best way to connect with me is, um, through, I have a website for the business that I have, which is separate, but there's an, like an information form on there. They can definitely reach out to me that way. Um, it's probably the best way. Cause I don't have a, I also have a Facebook page.
0: Okay, what's so, the uh, website? And yeah, just briefly tell us about your. Because I know you have you like your entrepreneurial business, and you do your psychology as well. So yeah, so
1: the entrepreneurial business is called Inclusivity, um, which is I N C L U S I V I and we're an eco-friendly um, fashion brand. We also do a lot of community events around justice and kindness, and we were formed. I formed the company three years ago because I wanted to do more to spread a message of let's take care of each other and and let's promote justice and make sure everybody is is included. So inclusivity, obviously the title. So our goal is really that, and also to create fashion that doesn't um, hurt the the environment because the fashion industry is a pretty bad, um, takes it takes a pretty big toll on the environment. So that's the company. And um, people can definitely reach out there and find me there. And then we also are just, just as a little plug, we're just finishing a book that's called You Can Save the World. In fact, you're the only one who can. And it is just um, full of tips for taking better care of the environment and things you can do in your everyday life, like um, make your own laundry detergent, like just interesting things that I didn't really know anything about. Um, some of which I didn't know anything about. So it's. I think it's
0: a great book. I'm excited about it. Okay. Well, Laurie, thank you so much for sharing the time with me today. It has been a pleasure. The Awaken Your Alpha Podcast. If you've ever thought a TEDx talk is something that would be cool to do and help share your message, please do head over to talkaccelerator.com. That's talk X c e l erato forward slash masterclass and you can get this completely free training masterclass on how to become a TEDx speaker and thought leader without desperately chasing and wasting your time on the wrong opportunities. It really digs into the three key secrets to landing your own TEDx talk. All right, have a great week. Amplify your message and amplify your mission. Do the little guy a favor. Subscribe and review. It'll help get him off my back.